our children are going to be dismissed to Children's Church. And um, Miss Angie, Brother Will are going to lead that this morning. But uh, we'll say goodbye to our kids at this time. You can turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter number 2. And don't we have a great uh, team who leads us in worship each and every Sunday? Amen. Yeah. Let's all get together on that. Don't we have a great team that leads us in worship every Sunday? Yeah, they do. Um, and uh, you know what? I love uh, Brother Ron, just to answer your question. Um, yeah, I did. I said that one to you on purpose. No, I, uh, I, I actually, I, I, that song, um, it made me think of uh, this. The last song that we sang made me think of that song. In particular, with on that day when my strength is failing, uh, and uh, and I thought, oh, the Psalm of the Aged. Let me go to that Psalm, and and uh, and and. But whenever I sent it to you, brother Rod, I knew I was like, oh, he knows exactly what Psalm this is. <laughs> so I, I had a little laugh uh, to myself. So thanks for bringing that out in public today. Um, I appreciate that. Hey. Uh, I'm up here this morning, and y'all are probably going, why are you up here this morning? We didn't come to hear you. We came to hear Sam this morning because I had mentioned that Brother Sam Wildridge would be uh, preaching for us uh, this morning. But uh, Brother Sam is ill. He has pneumonia, and so we need to be in prayer for him, and we especially need to be in prayer for him because he already has some uh, issues with his lungs that uh, we, uh, just a chronic issue with his lungs that we need to, uh, so we need to keep him in prayer um, and Brother Sam, I, I can promise you, he's, uh, he, was, he was prepped. We had several conversations this week where we talked through his message. I'm not going to preach his message. I'll let him, uh, I, I said, we'll let it percolate for a few more weeks. And whenever he's well, he can come and he can deliver the word. But uh, well, we'll be in prayer for him this morning. Uh, uh, and, 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 and I cannot uh, fail to mention this. We need to be in prayer for Brother Mike uh, Phillips also. Tomorrow he's going to be having a biopsy on his kidney. And so we need to be in prayer for him with that. And, uh, and with that, let's do this. Let's go to our Lord in prayer this morning. <clears throat> oh God, we love you. We thank you for who you are. You are good. You are the one who deserves all the adoration, all the honor, all the glory, all the praise. And so Lord, we do gather here today and we have offered it to you. Our prayer is, is that we have offered it not only from our lips, but from our soul. Lord, even in that psalm, uh, at the end of Psalm 71, it says I, 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 that my lips will rejoice, even my soul, Lord. And, and God, we know that you don't want just lip service from us, Lord. You want us to worship you uh, from our heart as it were. And so, God, I pray and I ask that uh, uh, my hope is that this worship has been pleasing unto you. Uh, Lord, we lift up these prayer requests that we've made known. Uh, we pray for Brother Sam. We miss him being with us today. Um, Lord, we pray and we ask that you would attend to him and his physical health and his well-being. Lord, uh, give him uh, the, the healing he needs, the strength he needs, Lord, uh, so that he can recover from this. Uh, Lord, we lift up Brother Mike Phillips to you, and for the uh, upcoming biopsy, we pray that you would please, um, Lord, just attend to him and be with his doctors. Um, Lord, give him perfect clarity and wisdom and understanding. Uh, 
Lord, our prayer is that they find nothing of major concern. Uh, but uh, Lord, we, we also pray regardless uh, that you, your grace would be uh, with Brother Mike and Miss Kathy uh, uh, through this process, Lord. Uh, God, we, um, we come before your word now. And Lord, our prayer is, is that as we study your word, uh, as we receive your word, that uh, our, our minds uh, will be open to receive and, uh, and, and, and not just to receive it, but Lord, that we would uh, have an open imagination, uh, create creative uh, minds and hearts working so that we can uh, know how we can apply the word that you have for us today. Uh, God, I pray and I just thank you for the honor it is to be able to pr preach your word. Please be with me. Uh, fill me with your spirit. Uh, may I say everything that you want to say and nothing that you don't want me to say. And uh, may your spirit be the one who gives authority and power to your word today. I pray these things in Christ's mighty resurrected name. My brothers and my sisters said, amen. amen. <clears throat> Today we're going to look into the story uh, in Acts chapter number two, a story that we all likely are familiar with. This is the day of Pentecost. Um, this was uh, 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, the day of Pentecost, whenever the Holy Spirit came down and, uh, and, uh, and, and gave the... Uh, authorized uh, the, the, the original disciples, the apostles, to begin proclaiming, um, witnessing, testifying uh, about Jesus' resurrection. And so we're going to look into the story, and, and I find this moment in the story that is, uh, that, that, that's kind of just got a hold of me. Is It's a moment in the story where, where the, uh, the message has been proclaimed, and then the people respond, what do we do? Now what do we do? And, um, and, and it's from that moment, and we know Peter's response is repent. It's from that moment that, 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 that we can look at this, 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 this scene in one or two different ways. We can look at it like it's an order. This is what you, you got to do. Or it's in this moment that we can look at it like an offer. And I believe when we look into this, uh, this story and that we even think about one of the stories that Jesus told the last week that he was, uh, the last week of his ministry before he was crucified. We look at a story there. I, I, I want us to be able to see that, that this actually is an offer and the people would never have heard this as an order that day. The reason why I want to do this is because you and I know that repentance is a big part of our life of faith. It's not just that we, 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 we one day uh, said a prayer and now we're all set and there's never a need for repentance again. We know that when we entered into faith, a uh, relationship with Jesus, we entered into a life that is going to be a life that is marked by repentance. Because we keep uncovering layers and layers to, 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 to how much we are, are, are just naive and foolish and we screw up and we get it wrong. To how rebellious we are and we get it wrong and we, we fall short 
um, we, layers just keep coming up. And, and, and then we also know this. Sometimes it's not a new layer. Sometimes it's just an old sin, right? Sometimes we just fall back into some, some of the same old, same old kind of ways of life, of walking. And, 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 and because we know that repentance is such a big part of our faith, um, we, 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 we want to practice it. But, but here's the deal. I, I have this sneaking suspicion that most of us don't see repentance as an offer, but in order. And this is, this is the burden of the message today, is that when we see it as an order, it could be something that we could become uh, frustrated by. Uh, we can become embittered against. But when we see it as an offer, if I, oh, let me say this. Also, when we see it as an order, it seems like it's something that we have to do. I better do it. But when we see it as an offer, we, we understand that it's something that we receive, really. It's something that we are, we, we are gifted. It's an opportunity that we are gifted. Um, and, and here's the last thing that I'll say before we actually dig into this. The question that they ask is, what do we do now? And, and this is a big part of the burden, too, is you mess up and I mess up. We do it foolishly, naively. Sometimes we mess up. We do it rebelliously. We do it stone-hearted, cold-hearted sometimes. Sometimes we just put our heels into the ground and we say, I'm, I'm doing this and I don't care. Because maybe you're so angry or so hurt, so frustrated. But we mess up. And here's the thing is when we mess up, we go, <laughs> and that conviction comes down on us. And that, that, that the Lord's like spirit goes, okay, let's get some correction. We go, now what do we do? And sometimes it can seem impossible to undo what we've done, either in foolishness or rebellion. But I want us to see that what we are invited to do, what we are offered to do, is repent. And here's the thing, because that's all we can really do. That's all we can really do. So, with that, uh, Acts chapter number 2. Peter preaches, brilliant sermon uh, on the day of Pentecost. Peter preaches, and he, and he reveals that Jesus has raised from death. That the one who was crucified, who was crucified during the week of Passover, um, during the last uh, hot, excuse me, high holy festival that they had in Jerusalem, the one who was crucified <laughs> was raised to new life. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father. He has been revealed as the uh, the Messiah that Israel's been waiting for. He, when David, he says, when David was talking in the Psalms, David wasn't talking about himself. David couldn't have been talking about himself. David said, hey, Lord, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand. And then Peter said, and do you know who David was talking about? He was talking about Jesus of Nazareth. 
The one who you crucified, he's been raised to a new life. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father. And when he said this, you get down there in Acts chapter number 2, and you get down uh, in verse number 37. When they had heard this message, this message of Jesus' resurrection, they were pricked in their heart. They're pricked in the heart. Remember whenever the apostle Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus? Met the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus? The, the Lord said to him, he said, uh, it's me, Paul. He said, who are you, Lord? And he says, it's, it's Jesus. Oh, okay. And then Jesus says to him, it's hard for you to kick against the prick. We've always understood that. It's hard for you to resist this conviction. They were, they were pricked in their heart. And they were cut to the heart. Can we think about that? Or maybe if you're like the, some 80s jams, they took a shot to the heart. No? That just occurred to me, and it happened right there. Y'all were here for it. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> <laughs> And you are too blessed. No. Um, they were cut to their heart. And then they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord God shall call. We have become so used to this story that uh, and so familiar with the call there that I think sometimes... Uh, it's easy for us to maybe, maybe forget like the historical context of this and the weight of the question that they're asking. But we have to remember, this was 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. So that means 53 days after Jesus' resurrection crucifixion this is taking place in jerusalem 53 days before peter is preaching this word in jerusalem they were saying the people that he is preaching to were were among the crowd that was saying crucify him crucify him we don't want jesus we want barabbas And in fact, if you could think about it this way, and we see this sometimes in the life of Jesus, what we need to understand is they didn't have a 24-hour news cycle. Things happened a little bit more slowly in their world. And in fact, if you would think, you, you wouldn't think, oh man, the last time we were in Jerusalem and the last time, look, you think about 50 days ago. Where, where were you 50 days ago? 
A whole lifetime has occurred in your last 50 days. That's not the same scenario for them. The last time that they were in Jerusalem, everything that happened in Jerusalem was that big deal. And now they're back in Jerusalem. And it's like, that was the last thing that we remember. Y'all grab that? Y'all see that? This wasn't like something that happened long, long time ago in a far off place. This was a lived story that they were there for. They were present. So whenever he's talking about the man, Jesus, that you had crucified, they were like, yeah, I know we were there. And he's saying, Jesus, who you rejected as Messiah, Jesus, who you said, he's not going to be the one to rescue us, to save us, to restore us. We don't trust that he can do it. The one that you rejected, I'm telling you people, the one that you presently rejected. This is not mythical or mystical or, you know, metaphorical like we have to receive it. This was, they actually rejected Jesus. These are the people who walked by and scoffed Jesus. Oh, there's that, there's that so-called Messiah. I heard he saved others. He can't even save himself. These were the people who uttered those words. These were the people who laughed with their friends. Maybe they weren't joined in all the jeering, but maybe they just were a little bit silent and off to the side, and they were, what a shame. What a wasted life, they thought. This guy, so delusional, this guy. And there he is on the cross. Hmm. I can keep going. I think maybe we get that weight, don't we? Peter says, the one that you rejected, the one that you had crucified, the one that you said, not Messiah, not son of God, not my redeemer, not my hope. He actually is all of those things. He's been raised to new life. He has been revealed by God to be the promised Messiah. Your judgment against him was, as Isaiah 53 says, uh, forsaken of God. God's judgment on him was, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Up from the grave, rise up, son. And in this moment, they asked, what shall we, what, what are we to do now? And we should insert right there a pregnant pause. 
Don't just skip on to the next verse. Hop along to the next verse so easily. What shall we do now? And then think about the weight of this. Here's something that will also help give some context to this question. Jesus, on the, just a few days before he was crucified, Jesus was talking to the religious leaders of the day. And they had come to Jesus because Jesus had, had ridden into town on, on, on a lowly donkey. And, he, and, and when he got to Jerusalem, he went into the temple and he, and he began to uh, uh, prophesy in the temple about the, the temple's destruction. And, and, and we call it the, the cleansing or purification of the temple. And then, and, and, and then he, he comes back the next day and he's teaching. People are gathering around him, listening to this, this prophet is what they believed him to be as we understand that the God gospel uh, writers tell us and, and, and they begin gathering around him and the religious leaders ask by whose authority are you doing the things that you're doing and Jesus asked them a question he says let me ask you a question can you tell me by what authority John the Baptist was working under whose authority was John the Baptist working and they had, he caught them in a, in a, in a catch-22 scenario because, because when John the Baptist was there, they had kind of done that thing where we're not going to affirm him, but, but because people are, are following him and he's not really doing bad things, he's encouraging the people in positive ways, uh, we're not going to condemn him. So they had, they had had this kind of non-answer over John the Baptist, and so they couldn't answer because they said, if we say he wasn't of God then all the people are going to come against us. And that's not a good situation for us. And they say, and if we say he was of God, then we are going to be accountable because we didn't follow him. We didn't hear him. We didn't esteem him. And so they say nothing. And then Jesus says, neither will I tell you by whose authority I'm working. But then Jesus launches into a couple stories. He tells them the story about the, the, the guy who has a son, and he, he has two sons, and he goes to one son, and he says, hey, I need you to go work in my field today. And the son says, okay, Dad, I'll go work in your field today. But he never went and worked in the field. And then he went to the other son, and he said, hey, I need you to go work in my field today. And he said, no, Dad, I'm not going to work in your field today. I have better things to do. And then later he was like, man, that was stupid of me. I, I, my dad's a good guy. You know what, I'm, I'm going to go work in my dad's field. And Jesus said, which one of these sons did right? Well, it wasn't the older son, was it? It wasn't the one who gave lip service, but not the actual work, was it? No, it was the younger son. Okay, okay, so you're on to something. Now let me tell you another story. There was this man who was a vineyard. Uh, he, had, he, he had a vineyard. He owned the vineyard, and he leased it out to some, uh, to some farmers. And, uh, and, and he went away to a far country. And, and whenever it came time to, to pick up his prophets, he, or his prophets, not prophets, right? Okay, we're, we're good on there. Sometimes we can get prophet and prophet mixed up in church. Let's not do that, all right? Uh, when he came time to get his prophets from the sales of his produce he sent some servants and the servants came and the, the the husband and the farmer he looked at him and he said listen if we he's coming to get the money let's just beat him up send him away 
They do that. He sends other servants. They don't just beat them up. They kill some. They send them away. He says, oh, my son. I'll send my son. If I send my son, then they're going to, they're going to give him the honor that he deserves. And the son comes and they kill him. And Jesus says in, in, in Luke's gospel, uh, and uh, it's in Luke chapter number uh, 20, or 21, yeah, uh, yes, Luke chapter 20, and um, verse number 15 and 16, and uh, Jesus tells them this story, he says they send the servants, they beat him up, send him away, sends his son, kills him. What do you think the, the owner of the vineyard's going to do? And they, I think we need to put a pregnant pause here too. They think about it. And Jesus goes, well, I'll tell you what he'll do. And here Jesus says something that all of us would imagine would happen in this scenario. That vineyard owner is going to come back and he's going to kill them. And he's going to take the vineyard back and he's going to lease it to somebody else. And they knew that he was talking about them. They get mad and, and they begin again conspiring to kill Jesus. To have Jesus executed. To crucify him. And I want us to know this story because when the people say, what shall we do now? They are living in this moment where we're, the, we're in the vineyard. We have beaten up and sent away all the servants that God has sent to us. And now God has sent his only son to us and we killed him. Oh no, what do we do now? What shall we do? In their mind and in their heart, all they can imagine is God is going to kill us. Because that is just. Because that's exactly how things should go. And so they are at a moment of terror here, what shall we do now? Is there any hope? And so when Peter utters the word, repent, they would see this as an offer. Not an order. All they could imagine up until this moment was, if this is true, we are doomed and justifiably so. If the son has already come and we rejected him and we crucified him, if the son has been revealed to be the true son, now what's going to happen to us? And let me ask this question. Outside of this offer, is there really anything they could do? 
what could you do? How could you, how could they write this wrong? Is there any way to undo this wrong? They know, but they ask, like we all ask, even when we know, there's not a thing you can do. And so again, they ask the question, but they know. And so when Peter says, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit, it's not an order it is an it's a gift they hear these words what words might they have been thinking i don't i flee get out of here judgment's coming y'all remember what happened to sodom and gomorrah hellfire and brimstone baby like you better get out of here because god is coming from you of course for you and like and like tombstone and hell's coming with him right you know no that's what they would expect and that's what they were thinking is what are we going to do we got to get out of here and he says oh here's what you need to do you need to stop not trusting in christ and you need to begin trusting in Christ. See, the offer to receive the son of the vineyard owner is still on the table. It hasn't been withdrawn. It is still there. The offer is still there. You can make good on the offer. You who once rejected the offer. You who once said, no, what are you, if you want me to go work in your field, I'm not doing that. You who once said no can be like the son who came back and said, you know what, dad, I'm sorry. I'm going to go work in your field. Isn't that beautiful? Golly. It's an offer, not an order. I love even, we all know, repent and be baptized. Repent. Hey, 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 come here, come here, come here. You know what you can do? Turn around. I know you said no to dad already, but you can still go make good on the rest of the day. It's an offer. It's not an order. It was an offer to them. I, the next verse of this, I, I, I just even whenever I was reading it while we were going through it, I was like, oh, I closed my Bible. I'll never find it again. No. Um, <laughs> all right. The, uh, chapter 2, verse number 38, probably. 39. Yes. Yes, we all know that repent and be baptized. This is what you got to do. And then, but here, keep going because the promise. Verse 39, uh, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to everybody who's far off. Even as many as the Lord God shall invite. Not order, but offer. So all the ones that the Lord calls and says, hey, 
I'm having a big party to celebrate my son who was dead and who is now alive. Will you join in the party? Well, we feel bad about joining in the party because we already said no to the invitation earlier. The promise of the party is for you and for your children and for everyone in this world. What an offer. So, how do we receive this? You and I, we find ourselves, we weren't there 53 days before Peter was preaching. We weren't there to say, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. But you and I, we find ourselves messing up. Foolishly, naively, we mess up. I think sometimes we need to give ourselves a little bit of grace even for that because sometimes we just make boneheaded decisions despite our best efforts. But some of our boneheaded decisions, they have consequences, don't they? Last night, I, uh, I was being silly with my wife, and um, she, uh, I said, well, I, she sent me a text, and I said, well, I don't need you to send me texts like that. And I meant it as a joke. It wasn't a joke to her. I was being foolish. I was being naive. I was like, hey, baby, you know, and she was like, no, you just hurt me. Guess what I can't do? I can't undo what I did. I didn't mean to do it. Here's, so now what can I do? All I can do is repent, right? The offer is there like, hey, I can keep digging into this and I can, well, I didn't mean it and you took it the wrong way. And that's a you problem and not a me problem. I mean, I know y'all never do that, but I get in that, that, that headspace sometimes. I go from making a foolish, boneheaded, knuckleheaded decision to an outright, even more foolish, uh, rebellious, hard-hearted decision. Have you been there? We mess up foolishly, but we also mess up rebelliously. We do. We Sometimes you know the spirit is going, hey, look, you need to, you need to take a breath. You need to not act in anxiety and hostility right now. You don't need to act in defensiveness of your pride right now. You need to take a beat. You need to think about it. What am I calling you to do in this moment towards that person? And you go, get out of here, spirit, and whatever it is. It's I'm laying on the horn and I'm saying a whole bunch of language because that car cut me off. Or I'm sitting at the break room table and I'm talking vitriol about my co-worker because they never do their job and I always do my job. And you're recruiting all the mumblers, bumblers, and complainers around you. 
And what are y'all going to do? We're going to get pitchforks and, and we're going to go kill the beast. No, we're just going to keep demeaning them. And we're going to make sure that not everybody likes them because I don't like them. And any number of examples that we could put out there. What's your example? Where do you get hard-hearted? Where do you get cold-hearted? Where do you go, you know what? I'm going to cut you and it's going to feel really good. I need to satisfy this vengeance. Maybe it's not even I need to satisfy vengeance. Maybe it's I need to be paid back for all the ways I've been hurt. I've been hurt so much. I've been taken advantage of. I've been mistreated. I've been abused. And now it's time for me to get my payday. We do it. We mess up foolishly. We mess up rebelliously. And then when we mess up, we have the same moment of recognition that they do. You, you, you've all done it. You've all come under the conviction, under the awareness, under the judgment of, oh, I really did mess up. I really did. that. Whenever I went to cut them, it really cut them. They're bleeding. Uh, I have a person who's very close to me in my life who uh, uh, my wife and I will have a conversation with often that says, I always see you doing this. You get angry and you get upset and you get hurtful towards people and you stay hurt. You, you stay in that, that, that lane until you realize that you've actually hurt somebody. And then whenever you realize that you actually hurt somebody, then your heart gets soft. Then you go, oh, I'm so sorry. And we say, can you begin to recognize this sooner? And the point of that is we all get to that point to where we go, oh, I actually hurt somebody and it softens us. And we go, oh, no. We actually rejected the crucif or the, 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 the Messiah. We, we said crucify him. We mocked him. We joined in the celebration that king, uh, ding dong, the king is dead. And now we are having this moment of realization. And what can we do? And you might go, well, God orders you to repent now. But I would hope that we could receive it as an offer. It's an offer. Hey, you're invited to repent now. Because here's the thing. What can you really do to undo it? What can you do to undo the hurt? What can you do to undo this horrible decision? You can't do anything, can you? But, but, but what, here's what you can do. You can stop going in that direction. You can stop. And you can turn away from that path and head down a new path. 
That's the offer. And it's a promise to you and to your children. It's what we should be teaching our children, right? Hey, hey, son, I know you messed up. Guess what you can do now? You can stop walking down that path. I know you said no, you won't go work out in my field today, but you can actually change your mind and go walk in my work in my field today. It's to you, to your children, to all who are far off, and to every last person on this planet whom the Lord shall call. And here's my trust. The Lord is calling everybody. He's calling everybody. He's saying, hey, the offer is on the table. So here's what we have to contend with. Have you seen this as an order and not an offer? And you think it's your duty to do repentance rather than you receive the grace, the gift of repentance. Maybe you need to go, hey, God, I'm sorry. (laughs) Because here's, here's, not only do we get bitter, do we get resentful, hostile towards it, we could get proud. Well, I'm doing my duty. I repented. I don't know why they're still mad. I repented. I followed my orders. We can get proud and we can get vainglorious about, oh, I'm doing my duty. Just as much as we can get bitter and resentful. So here's the deal. Maybe you've been seeing repentance as an order instead of an offer. I would invite you to have your mind changed today. Have your mind changed about this. That this is, this, as with everything that God has given us, is grace. It's a gift that you nor I could work for. Could do anything for. Uh, Maybe today, as we've been talking, the Lord is saying, you've been going down this path. And I'm inviting you on this other path. It's not too late to get off the path that you're on and to get onto this path. And whatever that is, some people might go, I've not actually had my faith and my trust in Jesus. And Jesus is saying, come on, come on. I'm inviting you. I'm not ordering you, but I'm inviting you. Hop on this this new road. Maybe you are somebody who trusted in Jesus. You've walked with Jesus for a long time. But as you know, it's just another layer that's being opened up. Another way in which we find out that we're foolish and we're naive and we're rebellious and we're cold-hearted sometimes. The Lord's saying, okay, I'm, I'm showing you this and I'm offering you this. Maybe you've, you've realized it. Maybe you're at that place where some people are and it's hopeless and it's been despairing and you've thought, I know I've done these things and I don't know that there's a way out of them. And the enemy is good to press into that and your flesh is good to believe that and you say, what shall I do? And you think you know the answer. You think the answer is, well, the vineyard owner is going to come back and he's going to kill me. And the Lord is just wanting to remind you this morning, no, 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 no. 
the offer, the promises for you and for all who are far off. Wherever you're at, let's do this. Let's spend some time with the Lord this morning. Let's talk to God about what God's talking to us about. Let's, let's reframe and re, re, remember that repentance is an offer, not an order. And let's, if we need be, repent. And let's be freshly immersed in the name of Jesus this morning. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite you all to a season of prayer. And then we'll go on from there. Lord, I love you. I thank you for who you are. God, I pray and I ask.